And where are the best? Well, not in politics, that's for sure. Times have changed, Your Eminence. Once politics was the only way our young men could climb out of the slums. Let us fight for a world of reason. A world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. I mean, if I don't know what you're up to, and if I, if I don't holler and scream when I think you're doing it wrong, and if I just mind my own business and don't vote or care, then I just get what I deserve. In the name of democracy, let us all unite! Got a little flustered. Uh, yeah, four, minute, four minute opening statements, and uh, we will begin with David. You have number one. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. Um, my name is David Rold. I'm a Green Party member from Massachusetts. I've been involved with my state Green Party since 2003 on the state committee, and I'm the, the co-chair of the Greater Boston Chapter of the Green Rainbow Party, and um, I'm an anti-war activist, an anti-imperialist anti-war activist, and I started my activism after the 9-11 false flags attacks, and I've been very active on a lot of issues, um, mainly anti-war, but also I, I helped organize the Boston March Against Monsanto for several years. I, I do 9-11 truth. I do disability rights activism, especially opposing um, assisted suicide and euthanasia laws that are used to deny people health care and kill them instead of giving them health care. And um, I'm a candidate for, um, for the Green Party presidential nomination. Um, I'm for totally eliminating the U.S. military. We need, to, we need to recognize that the U.S. military is destroying the world and like just cutting it by 50 or 75 percent like leaves billions of dollars for genocide. And we also need that money to do positive things for people's human needs. And, um, I'm, I'm for shutting down the USA and turning over all the power to indigenous and African people, restoring indigenous sovereignty over the land, giving reparations and self-determination to, to people who were brought here from Africa and enslaved. And um, I, yeah, and um, I'm, I'm for 9-11 for truth, I'm for shutting down um, stopping corporations from poisoning us with um, geoengineering and chemtrails and, um, and <laughs> genetically modified food. And that was two minutes. I'd like to turn over my other two minutes to Chad. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, that's fine. I just uh, I want to read something real quick, an intro from Common Sense, Thomas Paine. He said, a long habit of not thinking a thing wrong gives it a superficial appearance of being right and raises at first a formidable outcry in the defense of custom. But the tumult soon subsides. Time makes more converts than reason. And that uh, stayed with me because it's important to understand that people are at different uh, parts in their journey. And we have to learn how to reach people uh, based upon where they are at. And I believe in, in the Green Party, the four pillars were, were uh, in the tinky, tinky values, but the, it was the four pillars that I, that I really thought would be an awesome way to, to get people together. I, 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 I'm an artist, I do music, I entertainment, so I understand... I understand... Disruption goes two ways! Keep going. Yeah. And I understand that... Um, 
I understand. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I, that's Thank what I appreciate you. it. A little louder. Um, I'm just trying to bring my what I can bring to the party and my expertise, and I hope that you allow me and engage with me and and say how can I help? How can you help, Chad? Rather than than saying do this, do that, then. or by rather than just bullying people. And um, well, I'm good. And I'm running for president, ChadWilson.us. Okay. All right. Thank you. Next, next, right? Howie Hawkins. Hello, everybody. I'm Howie Hawkins. I'm from Syracuse, New York. Uh, I'm recently retired teamster. Worked construction before that, but that was to pay the rent. I've been involved in what we call the movement back in the '60s, since the '60s, civil rights anti-Vietnam War. I came up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we were kind of on the cutting edge of the ecology movement, at least we felt like we were, and uh, been involved in independent politics since that time, committed to grassroots democracy right. and economic democracy, in other words, eco-socialism, and got involved early with Peace and Freedom Party and the People's Party and the Citizens Party, which ran Barry Commoner, the most prominent environmental scientist at the time, 1980, and then got invited to the first National Green Meeting in 1984, and I've been involved in the Green Party since then. The New York Green Party has run me three times for governor, and each time we were able to get our ballot line. And in 2014, we got 5%. And that scared the hell out of Andrew Cuomo, who then had to compete for what we were talking about. We are talking about a ban on fracking. We got that, $15 minimum wage, paid family leave. We got those things. And that's the leverage we can pull even without uh, winning the office. And given the not, you know, where we are now in this presidential race, you know, that's what we can do. We can put issues into the national debate that the major party candidates won't talk about. So I'm running for two basic purposes, to build the Green Party and to put these issues into the national debate. Building the Green Party means getting on the ballot all 50 states in D.C. We've never done that, but we've come close with Jill Stein in 2016 to qualify for federal matching funds so we can get that money from Uncle Sam to pay the petitioners to get on the ballot. We want to train local organizers so we know how to organize and bring in new people from different groups rather than just mobilize the usual suspects. We want to help down ticket candidates and by this organizing process expand the base of the Green Party with the working class, with the youth and people of color because that's the future of the Green Party. Now, some of these issues we need to put into the national debate. I was the first candidate to campaign for a Green New Deal in 2010. And the Democrats <coughs> took the brand and diluted the content. So we gotta get the full strength Green New Deal back on the agenda. Yeah. <clears throat> We're calling for an economic bill of rights to end poverty and economic injustice, right? To a job, income, education, health care, and a secure retirement and homes. And then there's some things that even Bernie Sanders won't talk about, like reparations for African Americans and electoral reform so we can have a multi-party democracy, proportional representation in Congress. And then the key one is a national right choice popular vote for president. You know, the, Dem the, the Democrats keep losing to losers like Donald Trump, who didn't win the popular vote, and George W. Bush, who didn't win the popular vote when he first got elected. And instead of like changing the damn system, 
They won't blame the Greens. You know, they're saying the Republicans and the Russians are behind us. You know, that's the Democrats. They can't solve problems. That's the big reason we got to be in this election and put issues on the table because the Democrats and Republicans, we're in big trouble. We got a new nuclear arms race, we got a climate crisis. And if you're struggling, economic inequality is a life or death issue too. Our life expectancies have been dropping. We got a 20 year life expectancy gap between our richest and poorest counties. And the Democrats and Republicans can't solve that either. So these are some of the issues I hope to put on the table and hopefully go national and make this, you know, not just we're on the side, but we're in the middle of it. Because, you know, the first question they're gonna ask us, why are you spoiling the election? And our answer is no, we're improving it. Okay. Next up is Dennis. No. Sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, would you like? No, go ahead. Sure. Sorry. I, I actually picked number four, Joe. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. and I'm three. I'm sorry, Dario. <laughs> okay. So my name is Dario Hunter. I am a former member of the Youngstown, Ohio Board of Education rabbi, former environmental attorney, and an activist against fracking and for local control in public education. And my political roots are here in Ohio. The, the fight that I have been fighting is against many of the struggles that you go through every single day as Ohioans and as green activists. And at its center is the effort of a hyper-capitalist system to take control away from people and communities so that they can abuse entire communities for profit, whether it is through the educational racism and the failing school systems in cities like Youngstown, Ohio, or it is by squashing citizens' initiatives to prevent harmful things like fracking that are causing earthquakes in the Mahoning Valley. We have tried multiple times to put forward ballot initiatives that were swatted down and even led to some landmark cases, one of which I was involved in as a cell deaf plaintiff. This fight, this fight against the democratic deficit, the way that people are cut out of power, the power they deserve to have in a democracy, is the center of the wheel in all of this, folks. All of the rest are spokes that emanate from it. And there's some things that the candidates here will agree on. The need to change that, the need for ranked choice voting, the need for proportional representation, the need for eliminating the barriers to access to voting, including racist voter ID laws. And I'm sure we'll all agree on having universal housing, college, health care, but how much is that shiny new health care card going to help you if your neighborhood doesn't have a clinic like the south side of Youngstown? We need to engage in active community building. We need to see the struggles for what they are. Environmental issues, yes, but also environmental racism, educational racism. Our campaign speaks to the equity and equality issues that people face all across this country. And we do so through our People of Color Bill of Rights, which will deal with the issues such as redlining, discrimination in banking and in finance. We deal with the issues that people are facing in terms of environmental racism in their neighborhoods, injection wells in their neighborhoods, and we deal with the barriers that people have to participating fully in democracy. Our campaign sets itself apart as well by seeing the Green New Deal and our environmental agenda as a truly global one. Through our green path forward, we will cement better relationships with countries all across the world, including the top carbon emitters whom we are trained to hate, such as China, in order to have a more more fruitful environmental agenda to save the planet together. Our campaign 
deals with many of the issues that you face as Ohioans. The fact that you're shut out of even getting public records. I have sued multiple times successfully, including the Ohio Department of Education, ensure that we were given records to see exactly what they are and aren't doing with our educational system. We need to build the party from a grassroots level, as is our values. And how we do that is by reaching Ohioans, reaching Americans where they are at, in struggling corners of this state, such as Youngstown, Ohio, where the thirst for jobs has caused them to be convinced by multi-million dollar campaigns to settle them on the idea of pollution and fracking in their backyards. We can offer better. We can offer a green revolution. We can offer a green new deal. We can offer green jobs. And we can offer a democracy that works, where you have control and say over your school system, where you have the ability to have control and say over what happens in your backyard, where you have not just universal health care, but universal access to health care. Our campaign is about shutting down the solitudes and bringing people together under a system that genuinely works for the benefit of all. So I thank you for your time, and I look forward to your questions. Real quick, I need to make an announcement uh, to everybody here. The police are here. They were called on us by other individuals in this building. We need to keep this uh, cool or we're all getting kicked out of here and have the police taking us out. So just want to share that with you all. Yes, sir. Please, um, Nathan and Anita, keep things cool. To keep it cool. And you chose not to involve us. So I, I would like to introduce now Dennis Lambert and just a few housekeeping things I should have said. I'm standing over here. I'm trying to give people a, a two-minute and a one-minute mm -hmm. warning. And uh, also, if you have... You know, we want to be able to hear the candidates, so if you need to have a conversation in the audience, uh, you can go out into the vestibule there and uh, have your conversation. Dennis, thank you. I would appreciate the optics of being hauled out of here in handcuffs, uh, <laughs> honestly. Uh, I've been involved with the Ohio Green Party since 2010 when Logan Martinez back here uh, asked me to run for the State House to help the party maintain ballot status, and I've run uh, at least three campaigns for the Ohio Green Party to help build uh, uh, some support in areas of the state where we don't really have a lot of help. Uh, I've run in strictly conservative areas uh, where a lot of green people won't run. In fact, I've recently had a, a Republican reach out to me and has agreed to be part of my staff because he's sick of both the Democrats and the Republicans. So we really need, as Greens, not only to run every race every time, but reach across to the people who we consider conservatives or who we can never get votes from because I've been able to do that. Uh, I am running on a four-point platform of ending all wars, which means all wars, not only the, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, but all future wars, as well as the war on drugs and additional wars against uh, poor people, against the working class, and... Uh, bringing peace to the world as a whole. Uh, my second part is also a, a universal health care system, a Medicare for all. I don't mean just health care, I mean mental health as well. We need to grow our clinics. In my community alone, we've closed four hospitals in the last 10 years. So we need to not only fund health care, but we need to fund education so we can get more doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals into the field to be able to provide those services to the people. 
Uh, the third part of my platform is a $25 an hour minimum wage. Uh, I have had a lot of pushback on this with people saying, well, this is going to speed up automation. Well, honestly, if we looked at inflation, minimum wage would have been $21 an hour by now. If we looked at bonuses to Wall Street, minimum wage would be closer to $32 an hour. Uh, the last time I ran, I ran on a $21 an hour uh, minimum wage, and I'm going to keep adding a dollar every time I run because Congress has not raised minimum wage in 13 years. And people complain, well, inflation is going to wipe all that out. Well, we've seen inflation over 13 years. Health care prices alone have risen anywhere from 130 to 250 percent every year, and minimum wage has not kept up with that. And the last part of my platform is a renewable infrastructure investment program where we take a majority of the funding that's going to national defense and spend it on our communities, invest in a renewable infrastructure where we are providing uh, funds for communities to build their own solar panel melt walls, uh, to build windmills, uh, or uh, to in introduce hydroelectric uh, services either through natural rivers or through the sewage and uh, water supply system. I will yield the rest of my time to Susan. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Dennis. So my name is Susan Bookser-Lahaki, and I am new to the Green Party. I have been living the last 20 years in Switzerland, near Zurich, and I have um, been, uh, how can I say this? When you live abroad, you are an ambassador for the United States, and we have to deal with everybody who gets voted in as president. So, you know, it's been quite challenging to live there and to be an American sometimes. But now I'm coming back because I'm concerned that we might have some more interesting uh, presidents in office. So um, I've joined the Green Party because I find that I find that, that the that's ideas. That's the balance of Dennis's time. Okay. I share my time with you as well. Okay. Thank you. Good enough. Thank you. So um, uh, yeah, the Green Party ideas are closest to me. Uh, and my ideas, I have lately been the president of a Unitarian Universalist uh, congregation in Basel, Switzerland. And uh, the ideas of the uh, Unitarian Universalists are very similar to the Green Party um, ideology and pillars. And um, then to go on now to my personal beliefs. One thing that I, um, I did recently, about three years ago, I went to a conference on um, the state of women and um, where things will be in about 10 years. Um, this was all over the world, the state of women, at a Geneva, obviously, uh, because I was living in Switzerland, a Geneva UN conference. And what turned out, uh, was what the ultimate outcome of the um, conference was, that uh, women, unfortunately, the worst thing that women can do all over the world, not just in the US, is to uh, have a child. Because it takes you out of the workforce, it takes you out of your career path, and it um, costs you money to raise it. And then sometimes the man leaves, so then you're left alone, and it can eventually lead to lack of, um, of uh, funds, of course, going on, on um, uh, sorry, I wasn't prepared for all of this excitement today. But anyways, uh, you know, it, it's just unfortunate. Uh, we used to live in a society where there was a, um, a hierarchy 
where there was one pay that would pay for everybody and women were paid for their work as being the mother and the caregiver of the household and the children and the, um, and the and grandparents and whatnot. So as we had equal rights come about, we're sort of in this mixture of a, of a mess where women are still having children, we're still having families, but we're not getting paid for our work. So one of my core messages is we need mother's pay. It's time. Mothers need to be paid for their work and fathers okay, that's, too. That's two minutes. Thank you very much. Greeting from South Central Los Angeles. My name is Fatima Ayape Sudanam Kinamu Christian Moriwasi Fekari. My grandfather was killed by the Klan because my mother got accepted in college. My other grandfather purchased my grandmother out of enslavement. So I am here because I, my family shed blood. I want open and honest discourse. As a Green for 18 years, I knew I was joining a majority DNA group that had values that I uphold, but I knew there was intrinsic bias and racism. Wake up, folks. Our party is not anti-racist. Our campaign is about making the Green Party openly anti-racist. We must deal with biases. Our campaign has three main focuses. One is ecological economics versus traditional. We believe in a green system change. We are not connected to the New Deal. We have made that clear in our questionnaire. Our campaign feels that the core recommendations in the Green New Deal fail to adequately address the underlying systematic, thank you, systematic imbalances in the economy. And our campaign wants to do environmentally sustainable economic change. There's a graphic I have, but I won't talk about it. And then the second is the root of all the whiteness isms, because there's no white land. It's European. Europe has 15 tribes. We can name them. But the doctrine of discovery established a spiritual, political, and legal justification for colonization. And it's seized by Christianity. Second, the third one is cognitive dissident. You heard candidates talk about green values, making more diversity, but two of our candidates didn't yield time. Four of us did. Green values, before this eruption, we as candidates asked you all to have this discussion, but it didn't take place before time. So this happened because of that. Thank you, Senator. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you all, too. All right. So let's have a hand for all the candidates. We had, a, we had questions when, that were submitted yeah. to our coordinating committee, and Joe, I guess, hasn't been online enough. So, if each of you could kind of combine. Gwen, if you'll, if you'll excuse me, Gwen, Felita and I are still the moderators, um, and there is there was. I'll a finish process. in just a second. If you can combine yeah. the two in the best way that works for you, that would be great. Felita, yeah, we we uh, this next portion is going to be the question and answer portion. Each candidate will be given two minutes to respond. And then we'll go round robin again, and each candidate will be given one minute to rebut the other candidate's responses. So, um, but not on this because these are not rebuttals. These are just how are you going to do what you're going to do. So there's no need to rebut. Our, yeah. Uh, so there's um, we had put out on social media for questioning, and uh, Felita and I had basically chosen questions based on responses from the social media candidates. Uh, be prepared to answer these questions, but 
Um, what we're going to do right now is we'll, we'll attack those questions when we come back from the break. Um, no, actually, we were. And then we're going to do the break at the halfway point. Well, so it's right, only been thirty minutes. So right now, right, exactly. So right now, we're going to have the round of three questions, and Felina has the first question. Felina. Okay. Oh, and the responses to this, since David went first, Howie went second, Howie will go first, and then we'll go round robin back around to David going last, and so forth with all Thank the questions. You. Okay, this is a three-part question. Yes, you need the microphone. Okay, um, the, US, uh, the U.S. has been experiencing a widening cultural divide between urban and rural communities with both major political parties benefiting from the reinforcing uh, these patterns to maintain power with their respective targeted audiences. However, those who refuse to pledge allegiance to any political party are now uh, in the plurality, uh, the majority. Yeah. Um, in 2016, those who could not choose not to cast a vote for any president candidate was in the majority. Um, the first question, what opportunities do you see for structural change at the federal level that will help heal the urban and rural divide? Two, what opportunities do you see for structural change at the federal level that would incentivize civic participation and de-incentivize voter suppression nationwide. And number three, no, this is like one question, but it's in three parts. And number three is, do you feel that these policies sh should, mm, should be our best achieved? Yeah, our best achieved through congressional legislation or through a change to the U.S. Constitution and why? All right. <coughs> or you got to finish right now. Right. Anybody want me to repeat it? Right. Yes, yes, please. please. You put it up here, pass, pass the paper there. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, this time we start with Dario. No. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Again, I <laughs> David went first last time. David will be going last this time. Howie, you're right. You are going first this time. All right. Two minute answer to a very complicated question. In terms of the urban rural divide, Dennis was right to run in a conservative area. We can be the second party in urban America and rural America, in liberal democratic America and rural Republican America, because the major party that's the minority party in those gerrymandered one-party districts don't run serious candidates. We are serious. We can be the second party, and we can start a debate, and getting a debate started is half of the battle. And when we have a real debate, like on health care, a single-payer system that covers everybody, we're going to win that debate. So I think we got to have organizing, the way you get rural and urban people to talk to each other, you got to break down the racial segregation, rural America is mostly white, urban America is diverse. You got to have organization that brings us together so we can find our common interests and get to know each other. You know, one way you organize is you don't go in and tell people, here, here, take my pop card, 
run with us. You go in and you listen. And you find out what they're talking about. And then you help them. And you build a relationship and then trust. And then you can talk about, you know, maybe they need to get better on some issues that you got some thoughts about. So uh, whether you go to Congress or the Constitution, go to the grassroots. We'll build a movement. The Constitution and the Congress will come from that. Um, and then as far as what can we do to encourage, I think the question was basically grassroots democracy. We got to have federal laws that incentivize the tax laws that incentivize the creation of neighborhood government. Town meetings like they got in New England. Everybody comes, they elect their council, and they vote on the budget. That's full participatory budgeting. We can do that in urban neighborhoods. We can do that in rural towns. And what you can do at the federal level is say, if you organize a neighborhood government and meet certain criteria, you can keep a certain proportion of your personal income taxes for your local government. That's time. Okay, well, two minutes for a long, hard question is difficult to do. But. Who's next? Next is Dario. Awesome. All right, so this issue of the urban-rural divide, we need to stress the fact that this divide is a function of the hyper-capitalist system that we live in, and people are convinced that there is a divide that separates them from other people in other parts of the country. The reality is farmers being abused by the rapacious effects of agribusiness, have a lot in common with people in urban inner city areas who are being abused in the educational system by the endless march of corporate contractors in right after they take over your district by the state. The key cause behind that is the capitalist abuses that exist in our country. And when we have an economy, we have a system that is genuinely socialist where people will be able to share the wealth and where we will not have corporate abuse because we will end corporate personhood we will end corporate personhood and its control over politics, then we will be able to heal the divides in this country caused by corporate profiteering. Now when we talk about incentivizing civic participation and de-incentivizing de the drop-off, we have to recognize the fact that this hyper-capitalist system is also conditioned a circumstance where we do not have open debate. We need to open the debate. We need public funding public funding for candidates instead, instead of this current system we have where after Citizens United, you're allowed to pump corporate money into politics, and we need to protect the rights of initiative. Here in Ohio, I understand just how important that is, considering my own personal political struggles and activism. Now, when we talk about the way to best achieve that as, as a lawyer, definitely Constitution has more effect, but the reality is the Constitution isn't even really being respected in terms of democratic rights you're supposed to have under this system. We need to change that. We can institute federal laws that will protect your right to initiative, that will protect your right to free and open elections. Let's do that together. Uh, as far as healing a divide, I don't really see a divide. Uh, the biggest thing that uh, divides the rural and uh, urban areas is uh, connectivity to people of different cultures, skin color, and ideology. That has changed with the internet. People have more access to more knowledge. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of people get into a bubble where they only have the echo chamber of the same people who they agree with uh, getting that information. But best way we can heal that divide is having uh, interactions with these other people from other cultures. The reason why more people are, are flocking to the urban areas is a ca the reason 
because capitalism. I, I've spent the last three weeks on the road working because my community doesn't have any jobs. Our renewable infrastructure investment program gives money back to communities to build renewable energy programs that will employ people to build and maintain these programs that will provide not only electrical generation to these communities, but maintain a, a income so that we can reduce the tax burden on the people of these communities. Now, um, incentivize uh, participation in politics. I believe we need to have publicly funded uh, elections to get uh, money out of politics from special interest. We need to have a national holiday for all elections. And uh, we need to possibly either adapt a, uh, a tax benefit for people who vote, or as they do in Australia, we fine them for not voting. That is the way we get more people to participate. If they have skin in the game, if it affects their pocketbook, they're going to be active. Uh, do we need legislation or change the Constitution? Uh, there's lots of things we need to change in the Constitution. Uh, the 13th Amendment on involuntary servitude is one uh, that sticks out in my mind in particular. I don't think uh, until we get uh, true representation in Congress by ending gerrymandering that we will see any legislation come out of Congress. Thank you. Next is Susan. I share my time. Okay. I, I'm indicating one minute and then. Uh, okay, here we go. Okay, so about the divide, um, I've been traveling the country for the last two and a half weeks. And uh, I started in New York and I went all the way to LA and through Texas and now through Ohio and I'm here. And there is a big divide. And I was really surprised. I haven't seen so many homeless in my life. And, you know, everybody I met could use 5 or $10, you know. So it was uh, really shocking to see this. Then uh, what I noticed is there's, there's um, mostly lower class and then really lower class and poverty. And then there's upper class. And this is all over. Um, so, yeah, we have a divide. I think that my idea of mother's pay would actually really help. You know, the one time in our lives where we need the most help is when we become a family. You know, when that child comes in the door, you have so much shopping that you have to do, and there's so much stress. It's not the time to be struggling by, you know, trying to find money. And, and so I think it would help the family to stay together. It would help to bring people out of poverty. And uh, with the mother pay, I would also like to start an educational program. Sorry? This time. Oh, it's time. Okay, sorry. So thank you very much. Okay. Weather and climate change is the level playing field between urban and rural. Green system change, while drawing contemporary, contemporary advancements in ecological economics, all policy, all federal policy, must be framed through an ecological economic lens. That would clear up any divide. Our earth has a thermodynamic system. And if we focus our policies and do benchmarks that attain such goals as zero waste, 100% organic food, and renewable energy, we, we can develop a system over the next 15 to 30 years through an ecological framework. America at 300, we can do it. Thank you. David? Um, I'll yield a minute to Chad first. Uh, great job is at hand. Thank you very much, David, and thank, and thank you, 
Joe and everyone for allowing us to speak. Um, I think a cannabis coalition um, in Tennessee. We just we went yesterday uh, and met with the Tennessee Green Party. We had a potluck and we watched a film about a farm that uh, was a commune. Some hippies started back in the '70s and they ended up turning into a co-op. And so these some of the people there were actually involved in this and been around. And it's it's a beautiful way. Um, and what they're doing is they're taking people from the inner city and taking them out to deal with nature and having the opportunity to learn these skills and and, and have a, a way to un be with nature. Uh, there's more people in jail for cannabis than all violent crimes combined. Blacks and minorities are four to five times as likely uh, to be arrested and convicted, even though whites and blacks they use at the same rate. So it's important to acknowledge that. And I feel like if we do some sort of on a war on drugs, uh, some sort of reparation on war on drugs, we can do a, uh, create a measurable um, understanding of uh, what's what's taking place. Thank you. Okay, um, well, so there's a question about how to incentivize civic participation. And right now, there's no opportunity for a meaningful civic participation in this country. I mean, if, if, if the opportunity is just to vote for Tweedledum and Tweedledee who work for the same billionaires, that's, that's yeah, I can understand why people don't want to participate. So we need, we need to change, we need to take the power over the government, away from billionaires and corporations, and have all power to the people. <clears throat> we need we need reparations to indigenous people and black people, and um, we need self determination and power for indigenous and black people over their communities. We need we need everybody to have to have say over their own communities. Okay, thank you. All right, now each candidate, once again, starting with Howie. It's a one-minute rebuttal. You can respond to anything the other candidates have said. Uh, you don't have to use this time, of course, but uh, it's being offered to you. Oh, pass. Also passing. I'll yield my time to chat. All right. The discourse, the value comes in this room right here. If we're going to engage people to vote green or to engage the process, we have to find a way in order to allow people to engage, to be invited, to, to uh, provide value to people's lives even though we're not in an office. And that's something the Green Party can do because the values are there. If we don't show our values in-house, then people aren't going to come here because it's our representation. And we have to realize on the macro what people are seeing. I'm new, newer to the party, so I have... A, a broader view, and because I, I don't have a lot of relationships with people, so I, I have a, um, a, a better understanding of people's behavior, even though they may not understand it. Um, people don't own the Green Party, people don't own the values, and we have to realize that if you believe in the values, you can be green. Okay, Susan, I yield my time to Susan. Thank you, Susan. So, uh, again, um, I want to express my gratitude to you and to you for giving your time for, uh, and Dennis too, sorry, thank you. And uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, we're all in this together. We all have good ideas and we're all Green Party members. And as, as long as we're hearing from each other and communicating, that's real democracy and that's real togetherness. So I'm really happy that I could be here. I'm really happy that everything worked out. And thank you for accepting 
and listening to us in, in peace. Thank you. So I don't know who it goes to next. Okay, well, we have millions of people in jails and prisons and concentration camps, and we need to let them out, and we need to give them control over their lives and say in the communities. We have millions of people who are migrants or, or immigrants, and a lot of them are, are indigenous people to this continent who have more right to be here than, than white people in this country, and we need to give them like opportunity to, to control things. And, and the U.S., um, occupies countries around the world with military bases or troops and we and those people in those other countries should have a say in our government here so that in, in stopping what we're doing to them. Thanks. All right. Thank you. So that's the first question. Now second question, uh, Gwen has put up on the board a, a much more elaborate version <laughs> than uh, the this is a question that the state committee had initially come up with. And I had warned the candidates they knew ahead of time this question was coming. To basically, to paraphrase it for the benefit of the audience, the, the essential question is the Green Party lost its ballot status in 2018. And so we would like to know what your campaigns would do to help the Ohio Green Party get the ballot status back. And also, if the Green Party of Ohio fails to get the ballot status, would you be willing to run on an independent line in Ohio since that takes uh, only 5,000 petition signatures, whereas getting the ballot status back takes 45,000? So, um, so now, this question first starts with Dario. This is something I can say that I have personal experience in, having gotten those petitions and fellow members of the team in Mahoney County circulating those petitions. It was a very disappointing effort that we did find ourselves shut out of battle access, but we're certainly not the only state for which that's been the case. So I would say personally, I would be engaging directly, physically here on the ground, along with people from our campaign, helping to ensure that we can change that situation. If need be, the lower threshold for uh, independent ballot access, of course, which is less than some ballot initiatives for anti-fracking. Um, but uh, definitely I think it's doable and I have the community connections here in Ohio to make sure that we have a cause coalition to coalesce around having more choice and getting those, those petitions filled out. Now when we talk about, uh, are we answering all three? Awesome. When we talk about what my plan is to get my message out, I think the phrase that I used earlier, cause coalition, is important because we have to connect with other causes that have the same values that we have as a party, and we need to get out of our comfort zones as a party. Instead of looking around the table around us and seeing some of the same people, it's wonderful. We're all engaged in the same struggle. Some of us have been doing it for many years and are wearing the same hats. We need to get out and connect with organizations that don't necessarily connect with us and meet them where they're at so that we walk together on this road towards improving the planet and increasing our access to democracy. We also have to make sure that we are media savvy. And one of the things I did when I was a member of the Board of Education was to make sure that we sent out savvy press releases, made connections with the media, made personal connections to get that message out. Yes, we have a media blackout, but there are things we can do, and it means media training and media savvy. 
And of course, our campaign is pioneering something we call See Greens Lead. We want to see Greens in local communities run for office and win and support them in doing that so people see what green leadership looks like. Whether we're talking about Ohio or across this country, we need to do that in every community. Uh, I've, like I said, I've, I've run since 2010 every campaign as a Green, uh, trying to get more people attracted to the Green Party, and the only way that I see us maintaining party status <laughs> beyond just getting party status is to have people run in every race and every time. If we don't provide people with somebody to vote for, nobody wants to support us. We have to have candidates who are willing to run. Thank you, Joe Manchik, for all the times that you've run. Thank you, Joe DeMar, for every time you've run. Thank you, Nathan Lane, for running. I'd like to thank everybody in this room has run for office because I know it is not an easy thing to do. It's something that we have to work together as us five candidates at this end of the table have worked together to try to maintain that we are valid candidates for office because we believe in the values of the Green Party and we're trying to spread that to as many communities as we can. We are trying to grow the party the best we can, but we're being sh shut out on a number of different instances for a number of different occasions. And I believe that, once again, the only way that we can maintain party status and even get that party status is have people to vote for. And how do we have people to vote for? Is to have people run in every race at every opportunity. Dog catcher, city council, county commissioner, Mayor, school board, everything. We need to run people for everything. We need to introduce the community to the Green Party. And we do that by running people every time, every race. Setting up. Or, yes, setting up. I'm sharing, it's two minutes, right? Two minutes. So I can share with Susan? So, um, uh, how would I do it? I, I'm going to say I'm doing, uh, I would uh, do what I'm doing right now in the U.S., but do it in Ohio. I would travel around and talk to different people. I would go probably to, like, concerts or sporting events, because that's where there's a lot of people together at one time. And then you can be there, and you can get the signatures that's needed, and, um, and then we can get you guys back on the... On the um, on the uh, ballot, and uh, and so yeah, I think it's it's not as difficult as it might sound. So I, I think it's definitely possible. This is the year hundred year anniversary of women's rights to vote. I'm dressed like a nineteen uh, twenties suffrage lady, and uh, I'm marching the whole year for our right to vote. So you know, I'll stand there and get those those signatures that are necessary. That's how I vote. Here we go. Thank you for. Thank you, sisters. You have one minute. Has anybody here heard of a nonprofit business model canvas? No. We need that. A nonprofit business model canvas is broken into nine areas, and it helps us as a party do strategic and tactical planning. So let's look into that. Our campaign pushed what was called the Green Positioning System 2020. Had this been allowed to be at the National Convention and not blocked, our whole party would have been ahead. 
It's simple. Let's do a five-stop state tour of the party we started planning that. Get Use us candidates to get out to recruit people and pull in. And yes, I will when I'm the nominee of the Green Party 2020 be independent. We can do online debates and Green Party folks need to be trained on how to recruit, how to train, how to strategize. I just keep thinking I'm going to run out of time, so. And you? Yes, so it can be done. Business model campus. Okay, um, next is David. Um, I'll yield my first minute to Chad Wilson. First of all, it's, it's these, these people. How do, you, how do you treat people? How do people feel when they come to the park? Why, why people are hurting, people want to go somewhere, people want to help, people want to be involved. How are we allowing them to be involved? That's the, that's the first thing we have to do. What, what, they, what they're doing, what Sednam's done, understand all the debates, pretty much everything that's gone down when you see media stuff has been because Sednam has pushed it through. We are not promoting the party. GPUS, the national party, is supposed to be the face of everything. We're not promoting the party. We're not. They're not promoting the primary. The primary is supposed to get people engaged, hear all the different candidates, hear everything that's going on, but we're not doing that. The way to do this is this right here. Nobody has had this in the history, in the history of, of we can connect with people around the world. Their social media is there. It works. It works. Um, One minute. We just have to love each other. Okay. Um. If, if I'm the nominee, like it's, it's, you know, people in the Green Party are going to step forward, either, either, but just because they support the Green Party and they'll support whatever nominee, or, or because they're inspired by my campaign, and people, revolutionaries who like aren't in the Green Party are going to join the Green Party perhaps for the first time because they're inspired that I'm bringing revolutionary politics into the Green Party and. Um, my, my contribution isn't what well, I mean so far. My campaign has been mostly self-funded for me to travel around, but it's going to be funded by, by more people if I'm the nominee. And, and um, it, you know, it doesn't have to cost a lot to get the message out. As Chad pointed out, there's social media, and, and you know, Chad is going to help me get the message out. <laughs> and uh, Howie? Well, as far as ballot status goes, you need over 50,000 signatures to get a party line. Good luck. If you're really serious, I'll come and get some signatures with you. Um, plan B is the independent petition. Of course, it's ready and the paperwork's there, and I'm the nominee. I will fill out paperwork. Uh, what is our campaign plan? Assuming you'll be more self-funded. No. I mean, I never got to $25 an hour, Dennis. I got 22-something as a teamster. Um, I'm funded by hundreds of small contributions. HowieHawkins.us. Go there. I need your support. Ohio's only 30% of the way to the $5,000 to qualify us for federal matching funds. So I hope you will keep that in mind. And then in terms of getting the message out, obviously we're not going to buy a lot of airtime like Bloomberg. Um, but what we can do is, you know, put forward our advantages. I go to the media, I've done this, I'm the original Green New Deal, ran on in 2010. And that's an angle. Um, getting out regular news releases, having a dialogue with some of the reporters that are interested 
in what we're doing. Um, and that's begun. I've been talking, I was interviewed by the Washington Post this week. The Daily Beast, I've been corresponding with a the guy there, they're going to come out with an article. This morning, El Diario in Spain, I've been contacted, there's an interview of me in a German, a German uh, left-wing publication. I've been on RT a couple times. And what we can do there is shame the American media for not covering us. The foreign media is, you know, and then they're going to come to us and say, why are we spoiling the election? Why are you spoiling the election, corporate media in the U.S.? So, and then there are people that got influence that can help us shame them. Ralph Nader. I've, I've been talking with him. I talked with him last Sunday. Chris Hedges, who's a supporter, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. And there are people like that. And we can get some pressure on the media that way so that we get the respect that we deserve as a serious political party. And I'm standing up because I'm back a little kid's chair. So Okay, each candidate has a one minute rebuttal. Uh, starting with Dario. All right. It's not really a rebuttal. It's just an extension of my earlier statement. I just want to say that I understand, as someone who's been active in the Green Party in Ohio and in activism here in general, just how disappointing the recent reversal in ballot access has been. And so I respect Ohio's ambitions in that regard. We deserve to be on the ballot as a party. And only through contrivance that's been, a, in effect, perversion of our democratic system is that not the case. And so we'll support Ohio Green Party's choices in regards to regaining that access. I forgot to thank Anita. She also ran for governor uh, in 2000. Yeah, I, I meant to thank her as well. She's left the room. So I'm sorry, Anita. Uh, I thank you for wherever you are. Uh, as Chad said, we, we need to use social media because mainstream media likes to ignore us until they decide that we're the spoiler for the election. I have a podcast. I'm Dennis Lambert, and I'm running for president. That's not only what I say all the time, but that's my podcast name. You can find it real easy. I have logos all over my truck where I've been driving across the country that have my platform positions on my truck. Uh, so uh, I got pulled over by a cop the other day because I had a broken taillight. He came back to me and uh, gave me my license. He said, I'm sorry that it took me so long to, to come back, but I saw the website on your truck, so I had to stop and look it up. Are you really running for president? And I said, yes. So I gave him my card, and he said, I'm going to be so happy to go back to the bunker and tell all the guys that I pulled over a presidential candidate. <laughs> we need to, this is what we need to do to get our message out. Okay. So I just want to say um, that Ohio is an important state, and to have the Green Party not be on the ballot, that's not acceptable. So we have to do what we can to get to Ohio on the ballot. This is, yeah, important. And with that said, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Sidney for giving me your time. And there we go. That's for you. I didn't hear anybody say strategic and tactical planning. So you need a candidate that's someone that has a campaign plan that's based on your demographics. We can target demographics to go after what are the voter issues that connect to us as Green Party members to say that these are the things within our platform. I push Black is Back campaign. It is really important that we affect change by becoming anti-racist. Promise you, we become openly anti-racist. If Ohio takes the lead on that, you ain't gonna have an issue with getting anything done. That's what, okay. <laughs>
Okay, the, the U.S. presidential election is, is phony. It's like a stage drama with these, these corporations hiring a Democrat and Republican candidate to have this, like, this drama. And we, we need to recognize that. Ballot access is good, but what we really need to do is to stick with our key values, stick with the issues. I mean, if we, if we let that go and like prioritize ballot access, that, that's not good. So I agree with Sudanam. I'm also a supporter of the Black is Back Coalition, and we need, we need to, to, keep, to keep with our, our values and our issues. And uh, if there's any more time, Chad can have it. Uh, I just got to say that it's ballot access or bust. We don't just need the signatures, we need the votes. So the idea is to say we have to create the way for people to come and realize that if, if some of these people are, are getting their names as an independent, and first of all, Howie Hawkins has declared that he will run against the party if he loses a nomination. He will grow ballot lines for the SPUSA, another political FEC recognized That's time. party. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. And finally, David. Third. Yeah, I, I did get nominated by the Socialist Party USA. They have no ballot lines. They have no plans on getting them. It's really more like an endorsement from a socialist organization. <laughs> now, what I wanted to do is add to what I was saying before, because in a scenario where we don't get a party petition done, but we are running an independent candidate, I believe you can't qualify the party with an independent candidate because they'll be on the ballot without a party label. Which means, but we can still use that campaign to get ready for 2022 when you can run somebody for governor and get your 3%. And that means lists. You know, what we got to do in my campaign, you know, we want to train people to do this that they don't know how, is go out, canvas ID supporters, get their name and contact info. And then stay in touch with them. I mean, I've gone around, I've brought people to meetings. You know, I go out California, a couple counties. Well, we're all white. I bring some black people from the community. One of them is part of my extended family in two places. And then I call them a couple months later. I said, Well, have you gone to any more meetings? They said, They didn't tell us when the meetings were. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we get names and then we don't talk to people. Thank you, I didn't think it was because they're black. I think it's because they're not well organized. So, we gotta, we got to get lists and use them. Thank you. All right, I'd like to ask, ask everyone to give a round of applause for all the candidates for getting through. We had originally intended to do three questions. We,